You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again to another Physics Ed Podcast. I'm so glad to have you yet again to talk STEM and science and all that sort of thing. And someone who's going to help us out is Helena Nicholson, who is a K-6 digital technology teacher. But I tell you what, she's also a sustainability leader in Southwest Western Australia. And this is the thing. Today, we're talking about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And these things are so important. And Helena really has been doing a lot of work to get sustainability in all different facets of education to happen in her classrooms. She's got a bucket load of experience. She's been teaching for 20 years. And uh, tell you what, you can tell throughout this chat, she is very passionate about this particular topic. So let's dive right on into this chat. Helena has a bucket load to say, and we're going to share a bunch of links where you can get involved in these SDGs. They're so important, and I know that you can implement them too. You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? We love seeing students get excited about science, and you will too. Go to physicseducation.com.au and click on Schools for more info. Thank you very much. I'm honoured to be here. Oh, look, I'm very, very happy you're able to meet with me, especially considering it's 7am over in WA right now. That's very nice of you to join me, especially on your holidays. Yes. Well, I, I did say to you that I'm a morning person, so nice fresh start. Yeah, considering you're also you know, you're, you're teaching and you're studying and you know, you've got a life to lead as well, it is a bit much to juggle sometimes, isn't it? It is, uh, but I certainly think this is a really valuable thing to talk about. So it's an, an, and physics ed rocks. So it's interesting. Um, I'm really honoured to be chatting to you today. Oh gosh, <laughs> thank you. And, and yeah, um, we'll, we'll send the checks in the mail. <laughs> Dear, oh dear. Um, look, no, really, I wanted to have a chat with you because you are really big on SDGs. Like, this is, this is just, oh my gosh, I really want to chat with you because, um, you know, chatting through the prom, uh, Primary STEM chat uh, on Twitter and um, just, you know, you ran a whole session there going, oh my gosh, there's so much you could help and share with other people. But then again, there'd be other people going, SDGs, what on earth is that? <laughs> so, so kind of a broad sort of thing, but like, Maybe just give you an overview of uh, what that is and what you've been doing. Sure. Um, so the Sustainable Development Goals were developed by the United Nations and the aim is to achieve these 17 goals by 2030. They're really um, user-friendly as far as kids go. Uh, they've got an awesome website and the website has um, lots of um, animated um, videos that um, really put it into a child-friendly context. And SDGs not only target kids, but certainly um, industry and, and adults around the world. And when you start with the Sustainable Development Goals, the aim is to tell everyone all about them. So that's a really good starting point. And the um, videos are a great springboard. Absolutely. And like, when you sort of think about these um, SDGs, I mean, I'm just going to keep saying that because it's quite a mouthful to say Sustainable Development Goals <laughs> each time. Um, but the... Uh, these things are attainable. I mean, mind you, by 2030, it's not that far away when you think about it. I know. That's exactly what I say to the kids. And I think the thing that struck me most about the SDGs with the students was playing that first um, introductory video that um, Malala um, stars in. It really struck a chord with them. And I have feedback from parents and kids. Um, so, you know, just having that awareness of others globally um, 
maybe I'll wind back a little bit. I teach at a uh, primary school in the southwest of Western Australia. My role is a digital technologies specialist teacher at the moment after about eight years teaching drama. That's my background. And sustainability has been something that I've been pushing in the school for about, or driving, not pushing, but it certainly gets its own legs uh, for about 11 years. And we achieving a lot in the sustainability space. And when I started to talk about these goals, um, they resonated really well with the kids, but it was beyond just sustainability in our own community. It was looking at others. So there's this thing like that there are 17 very explicit goals. It means everything from climate action to vaccination to all sorts of stuff. And um, I mean, when you present it initially to students, does it come across as overwhelming? Or so how's, it, how's the initial feedback from the kids before you even start implementing anything? Well, the way that I did it was I actually made all these little mix-it cards, um, little tiny, which you could turn into fr fridge magnets quite nicely. And the, the icons are really eye-catching for the students. And I was teaching at the time um, students between year three and year six, so you know, 10 to 13 <clears> or <throat> 12. Yeah. And um, so the icons tell a little story, but then there's also one-liners. So the way I, I presented it was right oh, no, I've made all these things and I've muddled them all up. So I had hundreds of these beautiful, brightly coloured squares in the middle of the classroom. I said, right, I find a partner and get me a set of 18 of these and arrange them. So they had to actually really look to, to individualise each of the icons. And, and then um, I said, right, OK, arrange them. And then I had a sort of a sheet that had a one-liner for each of them. So, and I think this is one of the challenges in the primary sphere with the STGs, and that is that... Some of them are really quite easy for the kids to understand and others are a little bit harder. So, um, and the website's really amazing at giving you lots of opportunities and ideas about how to implement them. So um, poverty, zero hunger, good health and wellbeing. Um, one, SDG 12 is responsible consumption and production. And I put it in the context was of when you are using, if you use a pump soap, if you take one square instead of two you're going to halve your consumption just simple little actions that or behavioral change that you can do so well yeah. absolutely i mean like, you know, responsible production and consumption makes sense considering that we do have a lot of stuff that we consume especially in the first world i mean the thing is that that um pairs very nicely with that i think it's gold gold nine where it's all about thinking about innovative different ways to repurpose old material which is effectively what the maker movement is in a lot of ways is make some stuff that's good out of other stuff yes absolutely um and so it, that's industry innovation and infrastructure, which, you know, are fairly higher order concepts in, this, in the primary space. But you're right, when we are using uh, STEM, doing STEM, then we are going to do that. And one of the recent STEM activities that I did with the students was um, to repurpose PET plastic because recycling is really expensive. So that was the context that I put it in. And then the students um, went on to find a new use for a PET. So that was really fun and really focused and, and it ticks off a lot of the goals because the kids understand or well, goal 14 is life below water. So understanding that if we reduce the amount of possible litter um, by recycling or making sure that we manage our waste, it's not going to end up in the ocean. I always get the feeling when you sort of look through this that um, a lot of people are actually hitting at least some of these goals without even realising it. Absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, I think I think the thing in Australian schools, um, it was about eight years ago that the Australian Sustainable Schools Initiative began and schools could choose to take that on or not. And if they did, they had it, what's called the um, sustainable footprint that you aimed to decrease with the five areas. And because we were already doing that, you're right, that ticked it off. So that was managing your energy, managing your waste, managing water, biodiversity and active transport, which is related to your climate action. So those five things in different ways are happening across the school and well embedded in, in our um, school culture. And yes, you tick lots of the goals with those kinds of things. Number six is clean water and sanitation. So understanding about conservation as well as providing clean water globally. So out of all these sort of things, which are the ones that are the most sort of challenging? I mean, you're, you're talking sort of the upper primary, so, you know, early middle years. <laughs> so trying to think of the different places. But, the, um, I mean, some of these things are very you know, straightforward. I mean, affordable and clean energy for goal seven, I, you know, that would make sense. But then there's others that are a little bit more challenging. I mean, looking at reducing an inequality and things like that. I mean, uh, how, has there been any sort of ones that, you know, you know what, this might be actually a bit more tough than I thought? Yes, there are, and, and I'm okay with that. And um, I actually lead, um, let the children choose the direction they take within the SDGs in um, their passion project space and digital technologies. So despite the fact that we might think that uh, gender equality is something that 11-year-olds wouldn't really want to um, talk about, I had three groups did gender equality. And, of course, they looked at the income in sport because that's been quite topical. So... Um, they managed to, to tie it in at, the, at their own volition, which was really impressive, I thought. Well, it's actually um, and it's, it's, it's completely topical, which effectively timestamps this podcast. But on the way into work this morning, they were talking about um, the recent winners of the USA uh, women's soccer team. Um, yeah, it smashed it out. Well done. Congratulations, American people. <laughs> Did a very good job. Um, but in the meantime, they're talking about, well, it was actually up against some of the men's finals. And so they actually split the viewership. And yes. so, like, well, these sorts of things happen without even people sort of realising it's actually happening. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is always, you know, it can be a bit of a minefield. But, all right, so I, I wanted to focus in on these passion projects because this could look like a whole bunch of different ways that students could deliver said projects. I mean, what, what have they been making? What have they been doing? Well, um, it is very open-ended and the, the task is for the children to either teach a sustainable development goal, work towards uh, an SDG or um, teach their audience something else. And they have access to, because we're in the digital technology space, they have access to um, lots of digital devices, so spheros, um, the Ozobot robots and um, Makey Makey interfaces. Um, they've, they've learnt to write um, animations using online Scratch 3.0. We have Edison robots. We have green screen. The kids are really big on green screen. I, sort of, I did that in my drama program before I started this di digital technology role 18 months ago. So the kids are all over iMovie and smashing their apps and joining them all together and so um, they just flew with um, their interest. Um, sometimes the link's a little tenuous, but I don't really mind. Uh, um, I think that the power of the SDGs is that purposeful context for learning. And when I was asked to do the digital technologies role um, as a specialist teacher, I went, oh, this is great. I can teach them this and this, but why? And it didn't sit quite right with me until I thought, well, this, this is really a powerful why. 
which is why I took them on. <laughs> that makes it a lot of sense because, I mean, sometimes people get served a, um, you know, either a curriculum or even just a job role saying, please deliver the stuff, whatever the stuff might be. And without the why, it's kind of no purpose. And being able to hang your hat on these 17 goals is really useful because now you've got like, now we're going to learn how to use green screens to then deliver a thing about goal five or goal nine or whatever it is. Mm. That means that you can kind of, I mean, it really meshes a lot of your learning together, which makes it a lot easier in the long run if you have the time to do the planning in the first place, which actually brings up the point. Was there a lot of effort in behind this to be able to go, right, I, right, I want to do the SDGs, but I've got to do digital technology, I've got all these different years <laughs> to deal with because you're the specialist. Uh, was there a lot of, um, you know, you know, work prior to delivering these sort of things or do you sort of co-create it with your students as you go along? I absolutely co-create. <laughs> I confess after 20 years of teaching um, and being um, a busy person with lots of hats that I wear um, in the school community, I'm, I'm the president of the Dunsborough Coastal Land Care Group, so I've got a lot of links in our learning ecosystem. So there's a lot going on and I think it's really important for the kids to drive this themselves. And the power of that for me as an educator and a lifelong learner is to find out things that I didn't even know existed. So there's this amazing um, life below water, or no, actually clean water and sanitation, so about preserving water that a couple of the year five students did. And they created this um, green screen. They had their amazing characters and they were talking about water um, conservation and they, they came across this um, website that actually shows the consumption of water around the globe in real time. And oh, that's cool. Oh, so they've got this iPad up in facing the camera and it's just ticking away at this humongous number and they're telling me how many seconds, minutes and hours of, of water is consumed and I'm there going, all right, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, if you want to get you know, hard nose about curriculum, now they can start ticking off mathematics. <laughs> syllabus stuff as well as they're going along. Now, you're absolutely right and that's it. It's, it's all about having purposeful context for learning and integrate, integrate, integrate. And, and that's what STEM's all about. You know, it's not a curriculum area. STEM is a, a way of teaching and learning. It allows the children to be creative. It allows the children to create solutions. And it just, they're so motivated, engaged, and every child can achieve something. So it also, also differentiates for all those educators out there. And no um, doubt, because you know a lot of educators, you would have come across other people doing some interesting stuff too around this. I mean, what, what have you seen out, out and about? Well, I can't um, shout out to Twitter um, any stronger. Um, and I, I think in Western Australia, um, educators are a little bit um, behind on joining the t uh, Twitter verse. Um, but I'm forever, it's certainly in the digital technology sphere, generally picking up a great deal of um, oh, heaps of ideas all the time. So, you know, when I rocked up to day one with my merge cube at the beginning of the year and showed the, the teachers and they all fell off their chairs and, and then, you know, now you can't get them because they're <laughs> so popular. <laughs> it's just that <laughs> augmented reality. But then yeah, again, yeah. you know, where's your context? Um, why do you have this, this cube that creates a hologram in your hand? How's that going to help the children and how are you going to use it as a, a learning tool in the classroom? You know, that's the challenge. It's great to be a springboard. It's great to be inspiring and engaging for the kids. But you have to step a little further than that. It's a little bit tough, actually. I remember speaking with Craig Kemp a little while ago around educational technology. It's often about what's the next shiny thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is that most of the shiny things are really expensive. 
Um, and mm. I think the, um, the objects like spheros and so on, they've made huge um, gains in that technology, even in the probably four years that we've had them in the school. I remember going to a science teachers conference and going oh crikey I definitely need one of those we bought a set for the school and they wouldn't pair and we had to match this one up to that one and there was all sorts of um, technology issues with them whereas the latest version has its nice little antenna inbuilt and the kids can actually see the way that the signal is strong if you're next to it and you hook up and you have six of them running in a really small area and they don't even interview with each other so yay <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm just, I mean, we're sort of going on a tangent, but I don't mind going down there. <laughs> the, uh, but I mean, a lot of these tools, I mean, can be effectively really good for formative assessment. Um, one of the ones I recently came across with, which I think has been around for a while, is Plickers, which yes. uh, if, uh, if some people haven't heard about Plickers, is basically when kids don't have devices, but you do, uh, you can still do surveys in your classroom where they hold cards. And they just simply twist their cards around to re reflect whether they're answering A, B, C, or D. Mm -hmm. And because these are like these cards almost look, look like QR codes, just black and white squares. Uh, no, real, no kids really get what the other kids are trying to answer, whether they're trying A, B, C, or D. Which means you can almost get a survey of what kids are thinking without without the kids understanding what the others are thinking, so they're not like biasing their results. Yes, that's but absolutely true. And we have used speakers quite a lot in the science space. So before digital technology, um, I've worked in um, science teacher development um, for in implementing the science curriculum in West Australia for a few years. We were sort of leading the way at our school across the state, developing resources and assessment tools and um, planning documents and things. And, and Plickers, through that um, science network, came into my space and we were using it quite a lot. Although with the Plickers, you actually need to obviously create your questions that you're assessing. So a lot of time goes into to that, but um, you're right, as a, as a quick formative assessment, it's really valuable. Yeah, it's a bit, bit of fun. And that's the thing, again, it's yet another tool. I kind of feel like I get lost in a maze of tools. <laughs> I really do. Uh, but look, they're focusing back on, on SDG, so, so clearly, so they're, they're doing these works, their passion projects. Uh, what are you hoping to see by the end of the year? Well, um, I, I'm going into a, a junior space for the next six months. So because the school's so big, we actually split it and I only have half of the school for six months and half of the school for the other half. So I've only got the year um, ones to threes for the next six months. Um, so I'll certainly be introducing and, and talking about the goals, but in that dig digital technology space um, where the curriculum is pretty computer science based and understanding digital systems and so on. It's pretty hard at that year um, age group to, to integrate them um, with the kids. So yeah, it, you know, they'll tonk along. I'll keep um, sharing with my um, colleagues and um, they're very much in the sort of psyche of the kids that I, I work with already. So yeah. just have a bit of a recess with the big kids. Well, it makes sense. I mean, they've got to know how to pick up the tools before they can use the tools. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's cool. So, I mean, so there'll be um, people sort of going, right, so I've been doing SDGs in my school. There'll be other people listening in going, I'm looking at, you know, genuinely diving into this. Uh, what advice, I guess, initially would you say for someone going, you know what, I want to start, what would you suggest first? I'd suggest going to the website because it's really, really comprehensive. And um, as I was saying earlier, watching the animated videos and they, they produce new ones um, all the time. So the latest one that I've shared with the students is about how you can actually do something in your own um, 
context and own space. So it actually breaks it right down and it makes you makes kids think about their skill set and their their um, in own home and environment and whether there's a little space that you could actually improve to Im that might be a little bit dark and scary and let's turn it into a community garden and and, it, and you know this is what it's all about sustainability it's enough for all forever and the SDGs and, and capacity it's from the ground you know we're not going to change the whole world all at once but we can work in our own backyard but then we can also work um, and, and outreach and I think that's one of the motivating things for these passion projects for the kids. I said to them, if you have a scratch animation or some video that I think I sh I'd like to send to the United Nations, then I will. So I have a whole bunch of videos because the assessments all finished at the end of last week and there are a couple that I will get out there in some way. I, I upload onto Twitter um, short videos and I had this really amazing success story a couple of weeks ago where I posted this road safety video that these year six boys had created with a Ozobot Evo. So they actually have to code this little robot to drive and they coded another one and they dressed one of them up as a car and the other one up as a pedestrian and well there was a collision but it's okay because it's if you don't look both ways this can happen but it's made of paper and then they coded the um, character to look both ways the car went past its own I posted this 20 second video with music um, and a couple of examples of the code on Twitter and I tagged Ozobot in America and they contacted me and said thanks Helena this is great we'd like to use this video in our upcoming social ads is that okay <laughs> and you're like yeah sure <laughs> yeah and I said yes so back to school show screenshots of this um, Twitter conversation with the boys and um, and the rest of the students and they were pretty chuffed so um, that's just amazing because we do talk in education about having an authentic audience and it is it's just wow and this is the thing, like I, what I, I'd imagine, um, sort of meshing the tech with the, the just the simple, just visceral, hands-on paper and cardboard type stuff as well, almost creating a um, some form of festival whereby the community can come in and learn what your school has been doing, and then hopefully then take that knowledge back to go then do other stuff. I mean, interesting doing. I kind of wonder whether you could do some almost, um, some community businessy collaborative projects on a particular topic or grades could choose different things. You could highlight an entire wall or a whole classroom around a particular goal that really sings to certain students or whatever. I mean, it really is open-ended. I mean, I guess the point is you just make a start and make it engaging and something that kids can get behind. Well, you're absolutely right. And I think that's the thing about all of this is it is engaging um, and motivating and everyone loves coming to DT. <laughs> um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, having perhaps a, a STEM um, uh, STEM Expo. Um, I've certainly done sustainability expos in the past. Um, and can I talk about this amazing sustainability day that I do? Sure. I always, whenever someone asks that, I sometimes want to no. <laughs> no, no. Of, course you, of course you can. <laughs> of course. I think the reason why I want to talk about it is the fact that the audience for this podcast is so broad. And yeah. um, what uh, I created about eight years ago was an annual event called Bay OK Day and we have 750 students we can actually see the ocean from where we're, we're in you know at school which is pretty rare and we all walk down the beach and we have 28 different concurrent um, sustainability 
um, environmental education, marine safety activities at the same time over this day. So we're up to year number eight. And I think this is a really important about important thing about education, about sustainability, SDGs, about um, environmental education and, and our learning ecosystem, and that is engaging um, so many of our providers. And the thing is that it's a win-win because providers have S, um, KPIs that they need to achieve and here's your audience, bang, we're all at the beach and it's amazing. And so um, Department of Fisheries, Biodiversity, Conservation and Attraction, the Smith's Beach Surf Lifesaving Association, um, catchments groups, um, fishery, uh, fishing, actually kids down there having fish and it, pushing some STEM into it this year because that's really been another um, whole school direction. But I think it's really important for the kids to have this context and whether it's SDGs or whether it's being in their own backyard, learning from experts about any of these, these issues is just really, really cool and valuable. So last year, another school up the road took it on as well. So um, yeah, get out there and contact your schools if you um, don't have a relationship already and schools, get out there and contact these amazing experts because they love to come and um, have their captive audience too. <laughs> Absolutely. And these things, um, they don't have to happen overnight. I mean, when you say you're at year eight now, uh, yes. in your eighth year now. So, I mean, these contacts have to develop over time. You can't imagine, you know, well, some people can kind of go gung-ho and smash it out all in one year, <laughs> but they tend to be a thing that grows over time. Um, yeah. they, they do, and they morph too, which is really interesting because um, what we had in year, year one, we do have some people that have carried through the whole time, but then other people um, actually ask to join in. And sometimes there's a there's a shift in in the interest. So when there's a big focus on seagrass beds in the bay, um, and there's a study going on, and and I've got someone who wants to talk about that in fisheries. Yep, come on down. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. So. And one of the things I um, just wanted to put out there as a thing to consider if, if you're if you're listening in and going, you know what, I want to create something like this, is concentrate on the word sustainable when you're doing sustainable development goals. Not just because not from the environment point of view, but think of the other organisations of what's going to work for them from a fiscal point from a logistical point and whatnot because sometimes you'll have um things that have got some really great ideas but feasibly can't be delivered because the economics are well out or yes. just logistically that particular time when you want to run it it just doesn't work for that for that particular company or organization because that's their busy time in what they normally do day to day that's right that's right and also having the big lead time that's the other thing um you know save the date 12 months out <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So, and the thing is that um, you can also do these things um, asynchronously too. So you can have people on the ground doing the stuff, which is really, really cool. Yes. But you can also be connecting with people globally around what you've been, been doing. I mean, yeah, you can use Twitter and whatnot, but there's, mm. there's a lot of different technologies which allow you to connect with other students all over the place or in other organisations as well. Um, let it be open. Let it just, you know, morph and change as yeah. need be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd say year one, we didn't have any iPads down the beach, but by about year three, we did. And we've got these amazing iScope stands that are made in West Australia by a retired scientist. And they are cost recovery and they have this really high-powered mic microscope lens in built in them. And they're really easy for the kids to use. So they are out there in the 
big yonder um, with these iPads on stands and looking at all these amazing sea creatures and, and enjoying those. And the kids actually do um, sampling in the ocean so they get the um, macroinvertebrates out of the, the seaweed area and look at them. And um, there's another lady who's a retired scientist. She comes and talks about the Lewin current and does a model with, with ice and hot water and food colouring and teach the kids about that. Because on, on our coast we have the Lewin current come down, which is why... I live in a town that's got a jetty that lives that um, is one mile out to sea, and under that jetty there's an observatory and an incredible um, ecosystem of coral, like the Barrier Reef. That's and a serious jetty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's the longest wooden jetty in the southern hemisphere. It sounded massive. <laughs> it's amazing, and um, because of this Lewin current and the warm water that comes down, we can have basically a, an equatorial environment at, at one kilometre out to sea in this bay that we live in. So, um, the Basildon jetty come down to Bay Okada and talk about that with the kids too. And over the course of their um, eight years at school, they go through this scope of um, activities and come out the other end with a nice broad um, broad education, including a live show that teaches them about staying off the dunes and not overfishing the big blue groper and things like that. It's just cool. No, it's so <laughs> I don't think, I think you're kind of just having a bit of fun, really. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and Ben, truly, really, that's what education has to be about. If you are not having fun in your classroom, you should retire. You know, it's about igniting passion. It's about igniting curiosity and just having a good time and having a laugh. And, and I think that was another thing that I, I thought to talk about today and that is um, absolutely not being the expert. Um, and I, that's my space. You know, my learning curve in digital technology is coming from the drama um, has been exponential and there's great online learning that I've done so on. But the best teachers are the kids and, you know, one of them will work it out and then we'll stop the class and share it with everyone and, and um, keep ploughing forward. And, and especially with the passion projects, you know, off you go and we don't know how to keep trying. <laughs> that's right. Um, such and such. Can you come and give these guys a hand? And, you know, being able to let go and not feel like you need to actually know everything as an educator is a, a big shift in pedagogy that, that we need to make. No, I agree. And they often talk about the collective genius idea going, look, you've got a whole bunch of different brains in that room. I mean, some, you know, they're still developing, but they've still got their own experiences and can make their own connections that you may not do because you don't have their brain. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Mm. Which, which works. Look, hey, look, Helen. Thank you very much, really, for um, sharing. Just, just, I feel like there's snippets of what you're doing <laughs> because I feel like you probably have a bit, quite a bit to share. Which means that if people, if you want to get in touch with with you know, Helen, there are ways to do this. Uh, so, how would we do that? Well, I think the best way, because I, I only have a, a Twitter account is a, in the public sphere. I don't really do Facebook and other things. But if you um, message me, so Helenergy underscore four is my Twitter handle. Um, hasn't got Helena in it. That was a bit of a, it was a long time ago I wrote that. But, I, you know, Helenergy is kind of my soul. Underscore four and then just message me through Twitter and um, I'd love to um, share whatever people are interested in because... Um, yeah, I'm very passionate about my, my job and about the future of education. And um, once I've finished this like, final unit of my master's, I'm going to be a very happy camper over the holidays, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've, you've kind of lumped your plate pretty high. Oh, I'm a bit like that. I'm, I'm not going to be on my deathbed hoping that I sort of packed a bit more in. I'm going to go, woohoo! <laughs> what a great attitude. I love it. <laughs>
No, that's really cool. And like always, we'll always put this uh, information on the show notes and you'll always better connect up with that and um, have a fantastic time finishing off this master's bit. Thank <laughs> you need you. to do. It's really great to talk to you. No, I've had a blast. And um, look, really well done. We're getting these SDGs up and running. I mean, and also sharing it out and creating actually, you know, this festival effectively down on the beach, you know, eight, eight years in and getting the kids doing their passion projects. And you know, it's really neat. And I kind of wonder when I chat with people like yourself that, five years down the track, it'll be, what's, <laughs> what's coming up next? Actually, I'm going to ask you before you run away, what is coming up next? Have you got anything planned? Hmm. Um, well, yes, finished my, my, I've actually applied for a really cool thing that I'm hoping to do over Christmas. And um, I don't want to jinx it, but um, have you heard of the RV investigator? Oh, tell us more. Oh, the Syro's boat. I've, I've applied to be educator on board that. Yeah, that was interesting, that thing. A lot of people got very excited when they got sent out. Yes. So I'm excited and I'm just as jaggy to, you know, to possibly get that. But I think, I think the drive there is two things. Um, I was lucky enough to be at the STEMX Academy um, in Canberra in 2017, which is a really amazing professional learning in the STEM space. And um, I found out about Quest Again. Here's another little tip for everyone. Get on Quest Again where you're a, a citizen science adding to the, bio, the um, Atlas of Living Australia real database. And um, so two of these missions on this trip are looking at the seabirds and also microplastics in the food chain. So that's right up my alley. So fingers crossed I can get um, my teeth into that. I'm so excited even though I haven't been successful. <laughs> uh, hopefully, and if not, yeah, I'm sure you'll find another way to do that. And by the way, if you're just wondering about the citizen science thing, uh, go, everyone go, go back way back gosh i don't know how many episodes ago it's a long time ago uh but we're speaking with jackie randalls who heads up new south wales inspiring australia uh group which does all this sort of inspiring australian people to do interesting stuff around science stem and all those ah. um and it was a, we did um a discussion on citizen science uh ah. so a lot of different things you can be doing in that for sure um Look, thank you very much, Alana, uh, for jumping on board with us. And um, no doubt I'll catch you in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> so Look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks okay. for doing the work that you do no, for, no. Our, for our kids out there and educators. It's awesome. No, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Bye. Not all TPL for teachers is as awesome as it could be. I feel like there's a lot of PowerPoint presentations, a lot of sitting and listening to someone talking. Well, if you want to break from that, physics TPL sessions are fully hands-on, fully integrated with the curriculum and full of amazing science ideas that you can put in your classroom right now. Well, there you go. We just heard from Helena Nicholson, who you can really tell is totally passionate when it comes to SDGs. And just after that chat, she shared with me the Bay OK Day program from last year in November 2018. And my Gosh, it's full of stuff. They had heaps of things. And they're going through touch pools. They're doing sea creature habitats. They had these scientific sandcastles, which I must say, that's really quite interesting. I'd love to know what they were all about. They did stormwater games. They had Captain Coast Care and the Dune Dude, which I must wonder, what was that about? They had marine debris art, which actually that's quite important. You might have seen some museums and uh, various uh, aquariums and things show marine debris art and turn these you know, bits of you know, all kinds of rubbish basically found on the beach into works of art and that really has got something to say for kids. They've got heaps of things going on and I can really tell this year it will be, well, 
packed with even more stuff. So there you go. I hope you're thinking about how you can get sustainable development goals going in your classroom, in your museum, wherever you might just happen to be. It's definitely worth taking that first step and growing it from there. So you've been listening to me, as usual, Ben Newsom from Phys Ed Education, and this is the Phys Ed Podcast. I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au